The reading is from St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, and can be found on page 969 of the Church Bibles. Salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on, a, on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. We've just uh, sung a prayer. Let's, uh, let's just pray again. Heavenly Father, uh, we have sung that you would open our eyes. and We pray, as we always pray when we read the Bible, that you would open our eyes and help us to understand and to apply it right to our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, a few questions for us. Um, what sort of uh, influence do you think Christians have in Britain today? Do Christians have influence? Or another question, why, um, why has this, our society become what many would say is less Christian in character. But do we want to be an influence in our society or are we happier keeping um, our church and our Christian beliefs as private matters? Of course, there are plenty of people um, who want the Christian voice to be silenced. The secular agenda um, of some has absolutely no place for Christians to voice their opinions or beliefs. So often it's easier, isn't it, for individuals and for the church in general to keep quiet or even to take on the ideas and standards of other people. Well, Matthew, three, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16 that we're looking at is all about the influence that we should have if we're Christians. And it comes uh, here in the, near the start of the Sermon on the Mount um, which is all about, the Sermon on the Mount is all about how Jesus' followers are to be different. Last week, if you were here, and Clive was speaking, you know, we looked at the first 12 verses, we looked at the Beatitudes, where Jesus was talking about the attitude that we have to have to God and our attitude to other human beings. In both of those areas, we saw that Jesus' followers are to be uh, distinctive, to be different. They're to be humbly dependent on God. They're to show, they or we are to show true sorrow for their spiritual poverty. They're to be meek, which I think Clive said to us meant meaning strength under control and always wanting to do the right. And though they're called, although they, we are called to be merciful, to be pure in heart and to be peacemakers, Jesus said, certainly talking to his disciples, he said that they're likely to be persecuted, they're likely to be insulted. But he said, 
You know, that, was, that was what was going to happen. But people living, people living in that way, which is so often uh, very, so very different to the way that people in society generally think, amazingly, Jesus said, these people are going to be blessed. Well, of course, when he was talking, he was talking to his disciples who were very ordinary, very uninfluential people. And he says to them, Jesus says there in the Sermon on the Mount to them, you know, people are going to hate you, people are going to say awful things about you, and yet, and yet these insignificant people, people who were insulted in this way, they're going to have an enormous influence on the world. And that's what these verses about salt and light are all about, the influence that these insignificant people from Galilee would have. If we just think about it, actually, you know, it is amazing, isn't it? These disciples of Jesus, these ordinary, very ordinary people, they went on to change the world. If we look at the history of the early church, it's of a group of ordinary people who brought about a huge change in the society and the world of their day. But of course these verses aren't, they're not just about, they're not just a historical, they're not just of historical interest, not just for us to look back and say, hmm, isn't it amazing that these uninfluential people, these very ordinary people had such a change? Of course, God in the Bible speaks to us today as well. And so as we read these verses, we need to ask ourselves, what do they say to us today as well? How should we live? How are we uh, to influence those around us? Well, in these verses, Jesus uses two very ordinary, everyday things that people you know, would have been very used to. He talks about salt, and he talks about light. And he says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And both of these phrases, they refer again to the difference or the distinctiveness of the Christian community from the society around them. So let's look at the first verse. Let's look at salt first of all. Well, what do you use salt for? Uh, we add salt to food, to um, flavour, add flavour or taste to the food. Of course, some people use far too much salt and that's not good for their health. Um, but equally, a diet needs to have enough salt, um, natural salt, for people to be healthy. If your salt goes, is too low, your salt levels are too low, then you're not well either. Um, or perhaps you put salt in a water softener, or perhaps you keep a bag of salt in your garage or somewhere to use for the icy winter road or the path surfaces. We probably don't use salt much as a preservative, something to prevent meat and fish from going rotten. But when you don't have fridges or freezers, then salt is unimportant. And in Israel, in Jesus' time, uh, then they probably had salt uh, uh, which, uh, sorry, they, yeah, they, they, well, they, they didn't have fridges or freezers. They had salt which um, wasn't pure sodium chloride, but it was rather some sort of salt mixed with earth or other substances, and it formed a sort of white powder. Um, but nonetheless, they could use that to effectively preserve food. So it was used to keep food from going off. Of course, pure salt um, is just sodium chloride. And actually, that can't lose its saltiness. But the salt that uh, they had probably there in Israel, as I say, was mixed with other things. Um, and so water could come in, could leach the salt out of the, could leach out the sodium chloride, would leave some sort of white powder that was no longer salty. And that would be quite useless as a preservative. 
And really then its only use was then for making paths. And it would, as the end of verse 13 there says, um, it would be no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So Jesus uses his everyday domestic product as his illustration. And he says to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. As I've said, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7, is full of these ways in which Jesus' followers are to be different from those around them, how they're to be countercultural. And that thought, that thought is right here too in this phrase, in this phrase, you are the salt of the earth, because on the one side there's you, who are to be like salt, on the other side there's the earth. The salt is at work in the earth, or, or in the world, but it's distinct or it's different from it. And it has this really important function to prevent decay and rottenness. I suppose we might ask ourselves, well, what stops, what stops our world, what stops the, world, the earth, what stops society from going rotten? What preserves order and decency in society? What do you think are the things that help to do that? Well, we do have, fortunately, we have government, we have authorities. Um, they're very much there to do that, aren't they? The rule of law does help to prevent decay in society. Um, in his book on the Sermon on the Mount, John Stott wrote about marriage and family life as being another means by which society is preserved from decay. You know, having marriage and family life helps to um, stop decay into society. He wrote so that in that book in 1978, I guess that's a long time ago for some of us, but for others of us, well within our memory. But almost 40 years later, so much has changed, hasn't it, um, to weaken the influence of marriage and good family life in Britain. The failure to uphold marriage and family life has huge detrimental effects on society. So sadly, um, Whereas John Stott might have written that 40 years ago, in some senses we may say this area of life doesn't help preserve society quite as much as it did then. It looks much less healthy. But our verse 13 says that Christians are to be like salt. All the followers of the Lord Jesus have a task of salt, have this task also of preventing decay in society. And you may wonder, well, how can we do that? Day by day, our behavior, just by our behavior, we can influence, we can be an influence. So, for example, just a silly little example, some of you will have a colleague or friend, friends who've stopped swearing in your presence. There are lots of little ways in which we can be a good influence on those around us. For some people, there may be particular opportunities to influence decisions taken at work, making sure that things get done in a better or a, a right way. And then, of course, for some people in our society there are, uh, who are Christians, there are opportunities in local or national government. And as we look back over, you know, if we look back over past centuries, we can see there have been remarkable Christian people who've helped prevent decay in society. Think of people like Wilberforce and uh, his work to stop the slave trade, or think of someone like Lord Shaftesbury um, campaigning in Parliament to improve the working conditions of, of people in society. 
Or think of people today like David Alton, Lord Alton of Liverpool, who spent a lifetime campaigning um, for abortion law reform and much else. Lots of people we could think of. There's someone called Lord McColl, who speaks in Parliament, who's a Christian. He's spoken on various ethical issues, including um, people trafficking and prostitution. But people in positions like that need the support and prayers of others. Of course, it doesn't mean, you know, if we have people who are, who are prominent like that, it doesn't mean that we're promised that, that, that if, they're, if they're doing their job and they're being like salt, um, then as Jesus' followers, we can Christianize all legislation, all the values of the world. We're never going to be able to do that. But we can be irritants, challenging and quietly influencing Here in Matthew chapter 5, there's just this one verse about salt. Um, and the first bit just says, you are the salt of the earth. But actually, most of that verse is about the failure of the salt to do its task. <clears throat> if the salt loses its saltiness, then, it, then Jesus says, then it's of no use. And that, I guess, should be a challenge to us, shouldn't it? How salty are we? How much of an effect do we have on those around us? Being different is difficult and be costly. <clears throat> and that comes out in the section in Luke's Gospel that uh, refers to salt. So in Luke chapter 14, verses 34 and 40, 35, Jesus says, Salt is good, but if saltiness, sorry, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap, it is thrown out. But in Luke, those verses come after ones in which Jesus has been talking about being the cost of being a disciple. So he's talked about the idea of carrying your cross and following Jesus. He's heard two little stories about like counting the cost, like a man building a tower or a king going to war. And what, that, what that's all saying is that there is a cost. Being a Christian means you will be different. And to be like salt... Jesus says there, and Luke is good, salt is good. But if being a Christian has no cost, if it makes no difference, then again it's just like salt that's lost its saltiness. Not even fit for the compost heap, but just fit to be chucked out. So I guess the message for us is don't lose your saltiness. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be like salt. Salt which preserves, which present, prevents decay and rottenness in society around us, stopping things from getting bad, so bad that society or culture is destroyed or destroys itself. Being salt like that isn't easy. It is quite costly. So again, what does that mean in practice? It is partly negative. It is pointing out wrong. So it is standing up and saying when ways of doing things in society are wrong. So, for example, being involved in trying to influence the, society, the way our society thinks about things like abortion or euthanasia or lots of other issues. And we can do that by you know, just talking to our friends, to our colleagues, sometimes by contacting politicians, particularly if there are times of debate about things like that by supporting Christian campaigning organisations like CARE or the Christian Institute. So it is partly negative, but it's more than that as well. It's more than just the negative. Salt has to be in contact with whatever it's preserving. 
And Christians, while different and often in a minority, can't opt out of society. We need to be there. We need to be there in society, working in it by our example and our actions, trying to stop society from getting even worse. Well, there's just one verse about salt. But let's now look at um, the three verses, 14 to 16, about light. Because Jesus also said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. And again, he's saying, you're different. You're light. The world is dark. You're shining into the darkness of the world. So we've seen that uh, salt prevents decay. And now we're going to look at how light illuminates the darkness. And Jesus gives two illustrations. He said there's a city on a hill and there's the lamp in the house. City on a hill stands out. Um, There's a town in in Italy, a little way north of uh, Rome, called Orvieto, um, which was one of the places affected, a little bit affected by the earthquake in Umbria in last year, in 2016. It's a spectacular uh, hill town. If you've ever been there, it's uh, right up on top of the hill. And I guess at night, um, when it's dark, when the lights of the town shine out from way around, people can see it from visible from miles around. You can't hide a town like that. Or think about um, a house without gas or electricity. Um, at night, you need to light a candle or an oil lamp in order to see. And how ridiculous, you know, it'd be absolutely crazy, wouldn't it, to cover that lamp with a bucket. No, it needs to be placed in a prominent position to give light. Uh, without that light, the house is dark. As a medical student, I, um, a long time ago, I spent my elective at a mission hospital, Kapsuar, in Kenya. And there was a generator, I guess, that you know, it's near the equator, so it gets dark about half past six, and there was a generator that got switched on then, and so we had lights. But the generator was switched off at 10 o'clock at night. Every day, every day at 10 p.m. exactly, the generator went off. And if you weren't ready to go to bed yet, uh, to go to sleep at 10 o'clock, well, then you quickly had to light your oil lamp and place it where it could give light. Certainly, you didn't put something over it. And Jesus is saying here that as his followers, we need to be like lights that are shining. It ought to be impossible to hide our light, just as it's impossible to hide the city on the hill. And it would be just as ridiculous to try to cover over our light to put it under, uh, to put it under you know, like putting it under a bucket or a bowl. As Christians, we can't fail to be noticed to be different. And yet it's all too easy, isn't it, to try to cover over. Perhaps it's easier to be a private Christian, keeping it all to ourselves, keeping it all to myself. But light, light illuminates the darkness. Sometimes light is acting like a warning, a warning like a lighthouse, a lighthouse warning of danger. Or a torch, a torch provides a light to guide us. A couple of weeks ago I went to um, the licensing of a new minister in Silchester, um, and I wish I'd taken a torch along. I don't know if you've ever been to Silchester, the church is in a ridiculous position. It's sort of near the Roman walls, but miles away, well, not miles, but a long, long way away from the village, in the middle of nowhere, down narrow little lanes, you know, crazy place for a church. So 
there, there are all the people going where, and I had to park a long, long way away, pouring with rain, pitch dark, you know, and I wished I'd had a torch walking along the road trying to find the way to the church, avoiding the puddles and obstacles. But then as I got nearer to the church, it was you know, quite welcoming because the lights were shining out of the east window of the, through the stained glass window of the church, attractive, um, drawing in, welcoming and attractive. And I guess Jesus' followers are to be a bit like that. We're to be lights that illuminate the darkness, like a lighthouse, sometimes being a warning warning to some, like a torch guiding, and like the light shining out of the window, attractive to other people. And so in verse 16, Jesus says, let your light shine before others. And that again begs the question, doesn't it? Do people know us to be Christians because our light is shining? It's an important question to ask ourselves. Is there something about each of us, if we're a Christian, that is different and that people notice? But if you look again at verse 16, you'll see it says, let your light shine before others. Why? It's so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Our light shining um, will result in people noticing, in people seeing our good deeds and giving glory to God. So what does, that, what does that mean? What might that mean? Is it just our actions? Is it just being kind and doing good things, helping people in need? Well, that's certainly part of it. So Christians being involved in things like the food bank or the night shelter for the homeless, or if you help at the lunch club for the elderly or provide activities for young people, they're all good things that others may see, or visiting lonely people or providing transport as part of a good neighbour scheme. But there's more, there's, more than, uh, there's more than just that. There's more that others should see as our lights shine. Is a Christian's lifestyle different, or is it just indistinguishable from those around us? How materialistic are we? Are we different? How do we speak? What sort of language do we use, and do we avoid gossip? And what about our family life and our relationships? Do Christians live in a way that is different from the culture around them? Are they? Are we shining as lights, or are we no different? The Apostle Peter no doubt remembered Jesus' as saying here when years later he wrote in his first letter, that's in 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. But perhaps there's even, even more to shining as a light. So, in Acts 13, verse 47, Paul and Barnabas, quoting from Isaiah, said, um, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So part of our being light is also to bring the good news, to be evangelistic. Often people will see our actions and our lifestyle, but when we have the opportunities, then we also can speak about the Lord Jesus. And we do have a job to do in sharing the gospel if we're to be the light of the world. 
And if other people, as verse 16 says, if other people are going to praise our Father in heaven, if they're going to give glory to our Father, they can only do that in the fullest sense if they've come to know him. Jesus said of himself, recorded in John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. And yet here he says, you are the light of the world. So how, do, how do people see Jesus? One of the ways in which they see the Lord Jesus is through his people, through Christians. So what a responsibility that is, what a privilege. In order to be the light of the world, we need to be illumined by him, by the Lord Jesus. We can only be that light as we follow and as we obey and love the Lord Jesus ourselves. So, as Christians, we're called to be light to other people, to let them see us, not to hide who we are. It is difficult, isn't it? Because it's easier to merge with the crowd, it's easier not to stand out. But we are to be different, or as Paul wrote in Philippians 2.15, we're to be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And what's the reason that we're to be different? Well, it's not so that people praise the lamp, but rather that they praise the light. Because ultimately, as verse 16 says, it's God who gets the praise. So let me sum up. So um, as Christians, we are in a minority. Certainly here in Britain we are. And the question is, do we have any real influence? We are called to be different. We're called to be distinct. Our task is to stop the spread of evil, to slow down the decay and to bring light by explaining the truth of the gospel and living out its truth as we live our lives involved in society. And we have to be involved. There's no point in being like salt that has lost its saltiness or a lamp that's hidden under a basket. Either of those options are pretty useless. So one of the questions I posed at the start was, why has our society become what many would say is less Christian in character? It would be easy to blame the church as an institution, wouldn't it? Sure, in some areas as an institution, the churches have failed to act as salt and light, but thankfully have spoken out on some other issues. It's easy to blame institutions or to blame other people in society. But we need to ask whether the answer also lies with Christian people in Britain. Are we too afraid to be salt and light? Have we compromised too much? Are Christians afraid to share the gospel? Is it just a private matter? Is there really any difference in a Christian's lifestyle? Are we just as materialistic as everyone else? Of course, those are questions for us in secular Britain today, but what if we lived in a hostile Islamic or a communist state? Okay, thankfully, you know, we don't, but many of our fellow Christian believers around the world do. How can they, how can they have any sort of influence in their society? For many of them, it's practically impossible to witness openly about their faith. And yet, their calling is the same as ours. Their calling is to be salt and light. 
So it's good to pray for them too, that by the way they live, they may be like salt and light in their societies, in their communities. And it's also good if we pray for uh, those who have prominent positions here in Britain in our society who are Christians. They get ridiculed. People will try to sideline them. So it's good if we pray for Christian MPs or members of the House of Lords, for Christians who have opportunities in the media. Pray that they may be like salt and light. Others will try to silence them, as always happens. It happened years ago. Wilberforce and his friends, people try to silence them, and people still do that. So let's pray for them. Of course, most of us, few if any of us, will have positions of great or national importance, but we're still called to be an influence in society. We still are called to share the love of the Lord Jesus with those around us as we shine as examples both in our words and in our actions. Yeah, it is a tall order, but Jesus never promised that it would be easy. But as we do it, we pray that uh, those that we influence will be drawn to know and praise God, our Heavenly Father. That's our prayer, that he would be praised through our witness. Let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words of the Lord Jesus calling us to be like salt, uh, preventing decay, and like light shining into the darkness. Please help us to think how we can best uh, be good examples, good influences in the society for you. But we pray it not so that people praise us, but that ultimately that praise goes to you, our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>